This is episode 33 with Gregor Schill. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on your impactful journey. Gregor Schill is one of Sweden's top performance coaches. He's a mental training educator for global corporate companies such as Volvo, Carlsberg, Ericsson, and many, many more. He also coaches elite Olympic athletes and individuals who are serious about investing into the best versions of themselves. Gregor is an author and has many high-level coaching accreditations, including international business coach, stress coach and stress coach educator, neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, meditation instructor, and of course, certified mental coach. I'm proud to bring you all my first Swedish guest. This is my third podcast interview in Sweden, but first Swedish guest. I interviewed Benny Harradine on episode 16 in Stockholm and Dan Kalapski for episode 31. We had a bit of fun in the Swedish wilderness, but they're both Aussies. Gregor is a born and bred Swedish legend, as you'll hear in his accent. Now, I struggle with speaking Swedish and I understand people's frustration when they can't express themselves properly in another language. So I can only imagine how hard this was for Gregor in his second language. He expressed to me afterwards that he had difficulty getting everything across in English, but I feel like we did a great job in bringing all the value to you guys around these topics and learning a bit about Gregor's story and how these powerful processes serve him and his clients. This is an exciting one for me because it's exposing how the Swedes teach some coaching methods that I've learned and that I teach, all related to human behavior. This level of performance coaching and mental training is super powerful and there's a reason why Gregor is so successful in his business and books across the sporting world and the corporate world. You'll hear how he not only teaches it to Olympic champion athletes, but also uses it in his own life and through his big adversities. You'll hear us discussing the energy quadrant or energy matrix a bit, and I just wanted to give you a heads up so you know what we're referring to. It's essentially a matrix that shows four areas of our energetic states and how we limit our capacity to operate as our best selves depending on which area or energetic state we choose to operate in. I can't emphasize enough how important a learning tool I believe this is for all of us to improve our emotional intelligence and understand ourselves at the deepest level. For those of you who are in my online coaching programs, you know exactly what I'm referring to as it's a foundational tool that I teach you from the first session and we build off this significantly for all aspects of your personal growth. If you are interested in this quadrant, because I believe in it so much, and Gregor uses it to coach his high-end clients, send me an email at brett at 
www.yourlifeofimpact.com.au and I'll send it to you. Or go on to yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash coaching and email me from there. Actually, if you're interested in flow states, like what I spoke to Nam Baldwin about in episode four, make sure you listen right near the end of this episode as we elaborate on flow states and how this relates back to the energy quadrant. In this episode, you will learn so much. You will learn what performance coaching is, what mental training is, and how it can help enhance every aspect of your life, how mental training has optimized my closest relationships, powerful mindset shifts and tools to help you through adversities and challenges in your life, concepts on flow states, why acceptance is the most important player in learning, growing and developing and so much more. What is performance coaching? Performance coaching for me is to help people become the best versions of themselves in order to to reach their short-term or long-term goals that is often connected to sport results or uh, corporate results. So you talk about results and obviously coaching is all about results. You mentioned athletes, you mentioned corporate. Do you approach them differently or do you have an outline of what, how you establish the foundations of performance coaching and move forward from there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, uh, I would say that I approach them uh, more or less in the same way. I'm interested in getting the whole picture and looking into the different factors that I think is important to have long-term performance or, or success. And what is that? That is the first level I'm interested in is there, how are the conditions for long-term performance? How is their balance of life? How are they living? How are they doing in school? How are they doing at work? How are they eating? Are they having enough money? Or is that an issue to get a sense of if it's leaking energy already at the basic factors or not? I normally start there actually. That's your foundations? That's my foundation. I think that's quite interesting to, to see if, if there is a possibility for long-term focusing and long-term results. Uh, the next level I'm interested in is the level of motivation, the approach, the why. Why are they doing this? For whom are they doing this? Is it because they want it themselves or is it because they are supposed to do this? Or is it their parents or maybe their environment that is putting those pressures or demands on them. I think that's really, really interesting to find out the why. I think that's an area that people absolutely do not explore enough to be able to go to the next step. So I can understand where that is your second level of foundations. We need drive in the process. We need motivation. And if you don't find the why, I think it will be difficult to keep the process alive, to put in what it, the efforts that's needed to success. And this is still relating to, like you started saying, that regardless of whether this is a leader in business or whether this is an elite athlete or an athlete trying to be elite or whether it's a parent, so understanding their why to, to get them through daily life and to, to explore what is the reason that you are truly doing this, not for anyone else, but for you. And definitely. For an athlete, it's quite maybe quite easy to find what's the values, why am I doing this? For a leader, it could be important to, to start thinking about what kind of leader do I want to be? What kind of mark would I want to leave? When working so hard for this company, what do I need to get back? It's quite an interesting question as well. What is important to me to feel good and to, to perform well? And also as parents, when working with them, what kind of parent do I want to be? And where do we move from there? That's obviously a lot of deep work and one of those important steps. From that point, I think it's good to move into skills, skills and behaviors. To reach my 
long-term goals to become the athlete I want to be or the leader I want to be. A person with those goals, what kind of skills, what kind of traits, what kind of behaviors does such a person need to really explore that from the client? And maybe not put in yourself in the first, more from an objective side, uh, looking at someone with those goals. What would you, client, recommend? What are the key factors and the key skills? It's really important that the client owns this process. I am not the one that should say that this makes a good leader or this makes a good table tennis player or because I want them to figure that out. I want to have their version of it. Then they, maybe we could add something together, but I want them to start and I want them to build this list or this wheels of skills or whatever. Brilliant. Owning it. I love it. And from this, we build the training. So looking at yourself in connection to those traits or those skills, how would you rate yourself? How happy are you with each skill here? Looking at yourself, where are you strong? And where are your uh, development areas? And I think when you're starting the training, it's really, really important that you have this deliberate training, deliberate practice. Deliberate practice. Yes. I think it's so important that they know what they are training right now. As I see it, athletes normally know that. Leaders don't. When you talk about deliberate practice, and we've heard that terminology a bit, so deliberate practice can essentially mean doing exactly what is required from the foundations that you've just laid and actually relating what you're choosing to do in line with all of that. So deliberately working on those skills that you've identified that you need to get to your goals. And how I work with it, I want my clients to use a log logbook yeah. where they write down before the practice or the before the week, what am I going to practice this week as a leader or as an athlete. Then they do it <laughs> and then afterwards they reflect on it. And this is different to a to-do list, isn't it? So everyone's got a long to-do list, but what we're referring to here is writing the list of the skills that I need to implement and practice to make me this better leader, to make me this better person. The, the skills that you've identified here in your process, let, how am I going to do this tomorrow, the next day, the next yes, day? Yes, and that, I think that's the way to build long-term progress, built from, from your own awareness. And also when you're reflecting on, the, on your own training, going from feedback to feed forward, instead of this happened, blah, blah, blah. Instead, this happened and this is how I will do it next time. So you move the experience into the future because then you get mentally prepared for coming events and you will learn more. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's what it's all about, it? exactly. So that's essentially what performance coaching is. This is in the, the order I normally do it. But after this, when we have the physical training so to say in place we go into the mental preparation it's the mental training that we'll dive deep into as we move forward and because it's a topic that i'm so fascinated and passionate about but before we do i want to say welcome to your life of impact Tack så hemskt mycket brett. Jag är imponerad av din svenska. <laughs> so for everyone listening that doesn't know Swedish, that was me pretty much saying, "How you going?" and I'm very grateful for your time today and welcome. So thank you immensely for that, Gregor. We're sitting here in uh, Gothenburg or Jotabore as we say it in Swedish, in your amazing office and we've just walked through talking about the history of the place. It's a beautiful big old building. And I've known you now for a couple of years uh, since we actually met through my gorgeous fiancée Marie. 
because when she was a full-time athlete, you were her mental training coach and her mentor in this space. And Marie consistently credits you for her transformational shift in her understanding of human behavior. So I also want to personally say thank you for this. It just occurred to me this morning how much of your influence in her life has strengthened our relationship at a deeper level because we've sort of been on similar journeys but separately and a lot of the human behavioural things that she understands is from your influence. So I have our amazing relationship is a big part of uh, your coaching. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, been an honour to work with Marie. She has been very motivated and very self-directed in her learning. Yeah, she's definitely taken this to another level and the things that she's learning from you now and she's been certifying by you as a coach and coaching other people now. And I get so proud just watching her actually conquer her fears of speaking in front of people and changing their lives at the same time it's amazing to see great so we mentioned there before we talked about performance coaching and and i said that you were marie's mental training coach so what essentially is mental training i would say that in all coaching i believe in coaching the mindset is the key to success because when you're in the right mindset the right skills the right behaviors will occur that's my true belief then is the question how do i get into the the right states the right inner states more often so that is what we have been doing with marie and that is what i'm doing with all my clients athletes and, and leaders working more on the maybe more on the mental side yes yeah, so mental training is not a terminology used in the english uh, or sorry in in australia in particular no. but i know that you coach uh, a lot of leadership groups in uh, the uk and the mental training from what i've learned through your material is around what we might refer to as mindset coaching or under some different sort of umbrella. But essentially what you're saying is mental training is the deeper understanding of the way our thought processes and our emotional actions and reactions work. Yes, yes, that's right. And I think that's also a way that could com- you can combine and deepen the, the effects from normal coaching. If, if you combine it with mental training, you have this process of training skills and writing down the goals. But at the same time, you work with yourself internally with your self-image, your confidence, your self-esteem, self-belief, creating goals of the future and going into those uh, visualizing and really getting motivation from that. I think those two processes can can help each other. And you've worked with many elite athletes and as we mentioned before, so also some big corporate clients such as I know you've worked with Volvo. I've read your books and I'm delivering your material at some coaching conferences over the next six weeks here in Sweden at Stockholm and we'll be tying in a lot of your material that I love with what I've learned and what I coach and teach. But this is what I'm utilizing it for is in the sport of track and field over the next six weeks. But you've actually worked with a lot of in the table tennis community. And it's a sport that you dive into and have worked with two of world-class athletes from Sweden, uh, such as Marlin Pettersson. And I don't know how to pronounce his name, but it's Yeo Weldner. Is that correct? Yeah. I've never had anything to do with table tennis. I'm not very good at it, I'll admit. But what is it that we can learn from table tennis in regards to the the mental training components and why is it that you've had this connection and and can elaborate on book materials from a sport like this well i think table tennis takes the the mental challenges to peak because it's so much into all about concentration it's small margins 
if you're getting tight or nervous, it will affect your game immediately. And I think most of the players, they are as good as each other, but you have to be the one that are able to perform at the Olympics. It's really... The mental side of that game is very, very important. I can imagine, actually, when you just started speaking about that, how the in a sport like that, and it's the same in most sports, it's the same if we want to perform at our best in any situation, but in table tennis, if you're not in the moment, it's really hard to actually perform because if you're thinking about the shot that just didn't go to plan or if you're trying to anticipate three shots ahead, it doesn't work. So you need to be in the moment. Yeah, you need to be in the moment. As in most of the sports, I would say, but it happens to be table tennis for me, meeting those people and writing those books with them. What was that process like for you to write those books? Did you learn more about how your coaching abilities can be utilised when you're working with Marlon and Yalo and these elite athletes in that sport did it or did it just allow you to put a different language to what you were already delivering no i learned a lot i learned a lot by asking them how did they think how did they manage to succeed performing the storm so to say and i learned a lot at least from your waldner of course we did not write the book together but we had uh, i had interviews with him and he's known as having a very long career in the sport of table tennis yeah he's seen as the best table tennis in the world so far and he's a legend in china for example so it was really interesting to hear his thoughts and his attitude and i mean it's not rocket science but he was so compassionate about the game that he did not have time to be nervous he was so interested in the next point, so he didn't really care what, uh, what the score was. And I think that's quite simple if we could get it down to that. Just focusing on the next step, so to say. Yeah, absolutely. And building up really on a big why. That's exactly what I just thought of when you put it like that. Him really being in touch He with loved it, he loved it. He didn't practice 20 hours a week because his trainer said that. They had to carry him away from the, from the training arena. <laughs> so, uh, and I think that is something that you sometimes miss in younger athletes. I haven't really found their why. Mm-hmm. And they, they follow instructions more than carrying their own process. What about away from sport? Would you say that in leadership or in family values or if we're trying to achieve goals in different ways that sometimes you see people maybe living other people's values because they're not in touch with their why. So they think, I like the life that they have. I like so-called success that they have. So they start to shift almost molding their decisions around other people's value systems but not understanding what their true values are and their why do you see that in with the coaching that you do yes i do i do Uh, but that normally ends up with some kind of crisis in the 40s or 50s when they realize i've been climbing up the wrong wall or someone else's wall i can see that yeah and then then it might be too late to live your life or your values or too late, maybe strong word. Yeah, I guess too late in their mind. And that's if they're not guided by people like yourself or mentors and coaches that can actually help them shift their mindset, identify their values, be, live in alignment with who they truly are and not that so-called success. And yes, to make you aware, I'm not guiding them. I'm just helping them to raise their own awareness. That's coaching at its best. It is. It is. And it's a big difference, I would say. You mentioned that before, actually, where you don't say to people that you coach, you don't say, this is how you have to live your life. But what we know as coaches is there's a lot of tools, there's a lot of strategies, there's a lot of knowledge behind what we deliver and we can give that to them. But the power of coaching is asking the right questions which it I know is, you're it is. phenomenal I, I, I'm, I'm a true believer of the self-determination theory when it comes to 
motivation. And that, as you know, leans on three factors, autonomy, competence, and relatedness. And just the autonomy, that within those, with, uh, under those conditions or within those frames, you, client, can decide how you want to move forward. You will not get instructed from me. We can agree on some kind of path or we can agree on some kind of way we're going, but you will have to, to leave the motivation where it, or leave the responsibility where it has to be. And that is with the clients. That's delivering the tools for them and the knowledge for them to then, yeah, be able to utilize it in and implement it. Exactly. And sometimes they can, then you might need your help to, to find the right tools or, or to find tools or ways to move forward. You can, based on your experience or your knowledge, show them different ways. But I think they have to choose if you want them to carry the process. And we do. Now, you've been coaching and an instructor since 2001. What made you get into it? <laughs> That's a good question. I worked in a bank for 19 years as a trader, and that was a lot of pressure involved. And I was looking for a way, actually, to help myself cope with that pressure. So I went on a course in mental training, and I, from day one, I really loved it. And I thought, this will help me. So I started to learn more and more about mental training, and then came coaching here to Sweden in 2003. I joined the first certification class here and uh, got some skills in, in the coaching area. And then I started to practice on my colleagues. I was working as a chief dealer and I tried to bring in some mental training and some coaching instead of instruction into my uh, trading team. And I really found results. They loved it and they performed even better. So I was surprised. And who did you learn from? Who was your mentor in this space? It was from the beginning. It's the, the man that I wrote one of my books with, Lars-Erik Unestål. He's been working for a lot of countries, Olympic teams, actually, when it comes to sport, among those Canada, I think, and Australia. I learned a lot from him. He and I are interested in both sports and business. So, so taking his approach from sports into business and see what we could do there was interesting. So I learned, learned a lot with him and I, we started to become more and more colleagues and ended up with us writing this book together, Coaching with Mental Training. He's like the godfather of mental training. He in, is, in, in Sweden he is. Yeah, 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 it is, definitely. And what's your relationship like with him these days? So obviously you learn from him, you've written books. How does that mentor relationship evolve over time i see him as a friend and a tennis partner more now than ah. than, than my guru but at the same time i get some advices from time to time from him so you play tennis together so i can imagine yeah, that you're challenging that. each other mentally and physically yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. and he knows <laughs> all the tricks so yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant <laughs> you're playing well today gregor what are you doing with your right thumb that's a good question to start thinking about and then you'll lose your game. <laughs> That's how he gets it over you. I love it. Do you feel that you look at the world differently based on your understanding of human behavior? And your, we sort of talked a little bit there before about mental training and what it actually is and understanding our thoughts and our feelings which leads to our behaviors and actions. Do you feel like you look at the world differently because of your understanding of this and your level of emotional intelligence? In a way, but I understand, definitely I understand myself better. And that's a good way to start, I think. But at the same time, when you know yourself and you can see your own patterns, it will be more and more easy to, to recognize them in, in others. The most important lesson for me and my, was my own journey when getting into the mental training. What is the mental training to me, coming back to that? I mean, that is three parts, I would say. It's working with your thoughts and your inner images of yourself. That's one thing, thinking positive thoughts or 
maybe the eastern way don't think at all like that more even more the second part is taking care of your feelings your inner states maybe without going the way through positive thoughts just going directly to the feelings and that could be like mindfulness or listen to music or being in the nature and the third part of the mental training is more behavior body language using triggers so i want all my clients to be able to since all of those three parts really relate to each other and affect each other i want them to have tools to how how should i when i think how should i think what thoughts should i is helping me sometimes your mind is so upset so you can't really think clearly then i want them to be able to go into the feelings directly having their tools and their competence to do that and sometimes i want them to maybe even more if it's when performing using triggers using body language those triggers and anchors are, are super powerful yeah it is yeah. it is it covers most of the perspectives i would say it's funny you like this when you talk about that model there of the mental training when i learned it so i did some nlp courses and some other mindset coaching courses and i came home one day after learning the filters model and it just completely blew my mind it was this whole paradigm shift for me that i hadn't been exposed to and i was just I'm buzzing i can just remember the feeling now and i got home and to our house in Sydney and I said to Marie all right just sit down I'm just going to teach you something and I wheeled out this big whiteboard and I'm drawing it up and I'm teaching her all about the filters model you know your thoughts create your feelings and it creates your behaviors what does that actually mean I'm breaking it down I'm so excited and at the end I said oh sorry I've probably just given you too much information and she said oh no I'm glad you just taught uh, showed me everything in English that I've been doing with Gregor for the last few years (laughs) so and I said what you you knew that the world operates like this why haven't you told me and she just laughed and it's amazing to see the way that different people can take it on board it's taught in so many different processes but that's what I love and that's why I'm so engaged in your material because of these models that we can learn as people and it's not out of reach for anyone it's such an important aspect that we can all learn yeah these are good models to understand yourself and others i also think it's important that you don't use tools too much don't use exercises too much you have to know what you're doing when you're doing that and why you are doing that so i like the underlying philosophy and the underlying approach in both let's say western mental training and the easter mindfulness philosophy where you don't where they see the risk of getting too attached to a goal or to a result you're so attached that you get tight and if you don't reach it you will your self-esteem will go down mm. i like the expression dare and then don't care you do everything you can you focus on what you can control and then you see what happens and if you win you win that's good if you lose okay as long as you did what you, you control, do you prepare you and you go all in in your process but there is a risk of getting too much goal focus which relates back to when we talk about goals and it's important for people to have goals and a direction but i think we're on the same level here where we don't have to be so fully focused just on having goals and it comes back to like you talked about your foundations of performance coaching and understanding who we are understanding our values and then understanding our why which will help us that's i think more important than people jumping in and trying to set a goal yeah yeah i think you're absolutely right but having done that work with the why and who you are will help you to set the right goals as well Mm -hmm. then you know that this is what i'm really longing for or this is what i really want to go for exactly it takes time to, to find the right goals i would say 
it's nothing that you do the first day in a course. Mm. You have to start uh, building that up. I love it. And that's the way I coach people too. They might come to me and say, I need to get clear on my goals or I need to set goals. And say, okay, that's fine. That's awesome. We'll get there. But let's start with you as a person. Let's start with, are you aware of your core values? Are you asking yourself the right questions and just starting at those kind of levels and building it up? Yeah, I think that's important. And also bringing in, we can, we, of course, we could start moving. And I, I think that's very important in the, in the coaching process, but more taking out that direction and start moving from there. What could be the right first steps as we see it at this level of understanding, at this level of awareness, because it will increase during our journey together. I like what you said there, and we were chatting about this before we started recording around direction, helping people with directions first to take them towards that, and then we look at goals. I think that is a way of taking the pressure of the clients sometimes because they feel they have to find the right goals. And of course, it could be a struggle in the beginning mm -hmm. because some people come to coach because they don't know what they want. They don't want the, quest the first question to be, so what do you want? We have to explore first. Mm -hmm. We have to start moving in, in more in a direction so towards a certain specific smart goal. Yes, absolutely agree. I think a really good model that you have that we're looking at right here I learned recently, I use it in different capacities that I want to touch on, but it's around the energy conditions. And there's a quadrant here that we look at that people can operate in these different spaces around high positive condition, which is where you're at close to your top capacity and in these energetic states of motivated, energetic, powerful. We look at high negative, low positive, high positive, different conditions like that. Can you just elaborate a little bit on what these quadrants mean to you i think it's quite important if we say we are working with the coaching the mindset and we want people to be in the best positive inner state as possible i think it's quite important to make that understandable and i think this model when you start thinking of what what is an inner state what is it <laughs> built from it will help you to understand what i'm doing so to say and as you say we think that it's energy you can have much high energy or you can have low energy you can have positive you can have a negative one. And I think the aim should be to stay on the, of course, on the positive side. And then you, you work from, when you perform, you're in the high positive state of focus, concentration, presence, full of energy. But then you have to, to relax. Recover. Recover, yeah, yeah, recover. So you have to move down to the low positive state. So that is what, where we want our clients to be. I think, though, that many, not least in, in, the, in the company world, are living on the other side. Uh, where they at work feel pressure, they have to deliver, they have to, otherwise they lose their job or lose their salary or whatever. And when coming home, instead of relaxing, they are worrying for the next day, feeling depressed. And that takes them into the high negative condition in this quadrant. And the way what I look at this and the way that I teach it is, so when we're in this high positive condition, it's they're the energetic states where we can operate at our best. Like you said, it's when you're focused, it's when you're energetic, it's really good. When we shift into the high negative condition and where there's worry, there's fear, there's anger. So when we're in those energetic states, there's no room to be in these positive energetic states. So if we're angry and fearful, we can't be happy, motivated, dedicated at the same time. So when we are in these energetic states, we're not creating space for those. So it's really powerful process to see this quadrant. And I see people, it's like an aha moment when they say, ah, oh, that's why when I become more aware when I'm in these states, I can't be in these states, which is where I'm going to build on my capacity. 
Exactly, and that is also, I mean, if you, what is the aim for men, mental training? That is to get the clients or myself to be on the right side in, in this matrix, mm-hmm. on the positive side. So working with the mental training, working through the success factors for, for the mental side, as we see, yes, working with the, with the cell, building the self, confidence, self-belief, self-esteem, working with inner motivation, working with directional goals, working with your attitude, working with your inner feelings, the, your EQ, understanding yourself, taking care of your own feelings. Working in that mental training process helps you to get in the right side in the matrix. And this is around the, the tools and the knowledge and the skills, like you said, to shift from one side to the other. Yes, yes. How do you do this? Yes, you, you use, you work with the mental training Absolutely. program. Yeah. And I think that's where I see people challenged in regards to they know that being emotionally driven by anger or fear or things like that they know that it's not necessarily the best state to be in and they know that they need to be motivated concentrated focused different things like that and that's where the challenge is that's where the gap is whether we're talking about elite athletes whether we're talking about parenting whether we're talking about corporate leaders that gap to know how to shift exactly i think uh, i think the the key is to go from willpower to still power what do you mean by that try less achieve more let it happen make sure you are in the right state let that come from the inside and then let the right skills behaviors just come naturally because they will you have everything that you need it's all there within yeah it's just a matter of attaching to it exactly and as soon as you try to trying too hard you're blocking yourself Mm -hmm. so instead of willpower we're talking about still power brilliant and is this where you see the shift and the crossover between eastern and western and mentioning before and that that still power is you mentioned it before our mindfulness and the power of how being in the moment, being mindful is almost that still power. I, I would definitely say so. And I think that's why um, the Eastern mental training is getting more and more popular because people understand that thinking positive is not the solution to everything. Sometimes not thinking at all is better. Just trusting in the process, trusting yourself. Well, because what that actually does is it takes you away from these unhelpful states that you're in so when you when you're in those meditative those mindful states and not thinking at all so you you're not allowing yourself to be building up in this anger and worry and fear and frustration you're not trying to push yourself into this high positive what you're actually doing is just creating space exactly exactly and it will be filled with the right things i love it if you (laughs) just give it time and, and trust it so yeah i love that aspect of it but at the same time i think it could it's a really good combination to use, if you say, the Western style of mental training with directions, goals, some kind of affirmations sometimes to, to support you, uh, to find your right way, so to say. But when walking that way, using the mindfulness and meditation and to make sure that you are present every step. You're not in the future, in your future good. You're here and now. Do you find it challenging to bring corporate people into the here and now because they're so driven by the outcomes that they need to achieve yes it has been but i'm seeing a shift now okay i'm seeing a shift now people are getting more and more interested in yeah not doing more but doing things better and with better with more presence what's your thoughts on ill mental health so i'm an ambassador for an organization a charity in australia called batir 
and they work to smash the stigma, so to say, of mental health and they educate mostly younger kids and, and students around the positive aspects of mental health and how to reach out and things like that. The more I learn about this and the more I'm exposed to the world and people, what they can do with the power of understanding their internal workings, I sort of believe that if children, if kids were exposed to the basics and the foundations of this type of coaching and this type of training and understanding where their emotions come from and how they can actually have a little bit more control over them, I sort of feel like there could be a shift away from a lot of things like depression and anxiety and those kind of conditions. What's your thoughts based on your understanding of mental training and the mind around ill mental health? Uh, coming back to what you said, if children were, were, were to learn this already in, in school or even before that, I think it would actually change the world. So I think it's really, really interesting area to helping people to understand themselves, their feelings, taking care of that before trying to save the world, so to say. That's so powerful the way that you say that, that you feel like it could change the world. And I guess that's where I was getting to with that question earlier around do you see the world differently? Because it's maybe it's we see the potential of the world differently based mm -hmm. on what we know. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's well put, Brad. We see the potential of the world, yeah. Uh, but it's a long journey. There are some risks involved, and I can see that also mental training, too much of that could lead to, if not mental illness, so at least too much pressure, too much stress. So I think you have to find the right balance there between what do I really want, what is really important to me, what is my direction, and then enjoy the ride building it that's a really important factor actually is enjoy the ride because it's life is a journey right and we're not we shouldn't be chasing happiness we shouldn't be chasing end goals we should be living day to day in alignment with that and just feeling feeling the way we want to feel on a daily basis and making choices to make sure that we are feeling that way and not being dictated by our external environment exactly you are not your results i think that is so important you are not an athlete you're a human being that like athlete uh, to do uh, to compete to compete yeah. in athletes you yeah. are not your results you're not that. your results as long as you or if you think that or if you and that is very easy to become uh, my results in the long term it will break you down because the negative feelings will they are tougher to to uh, so your results are your they're a part of your journey but they're not who you are exactly by. exactly you have to have some distance between yourself and your results. I've done, engaged in many different forms of mental training, mindset training, NLP, acceptance, acceptance and commitment therapy, mind power courses. There's so many different names and terminologies. But what I want you to elaborate on, which is rule number three in your mental training that says we create our own reality. Because I love this, but I just want to hear it from you, what that actually means to you. What's your perspective on that? How you experience your, your world depends on a lot of factors. Your background, your values, your focus, your attitude. So based on that, I would say what we focus on grow so where for once. Where your mind flows, energy grows. Exactly, exactly. And there we have a choice. Do we focus on what's working for me or what's not working for me in life? What I'm good at or what I'm not good at. 
that word choice is my interpretation of that rule. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because everything in our life is a choice. It doesn't matter what people say to us. It doesn't matter what people do around us. We get to choose what that means to us. So we create our reality based on the choices we make in those environments. Exactly. And at the same time, another perspective for that, from that could be take control of your life in a way that means, meaning that you try, you try to find your why. You're trying to find the right direction for yourself. You're trying to set up goals that really motivates you. Mm-hmm. That in a way is a way of creating your reality or your future reality. So that's another perspective of it, I would say. You're taking control of your own life. When people can attach themselves to that is quite a powerful process. It is. It is. It is. So that's the external yeah. side of it. And the, the internal say, way is if you can control yourself in your inner climate by feeling what you're feeling, taking care of those feelings, then you can, whatever the world has in, in waiting for you, you can handle that situation. Mm-hmm. And then you don't have to be afraid of being afraid or... Because you know that you can handle whatever comes up. Well, that's exactly right. And I see a powerful aspect that we use this mental training for uh, or mindset coaching from my perspective, whatever we want to call it. It's also a super powerful tool to help people overcome adversity. And like you said, to prepare for what, what comes up. And I have people in my personal programs that I coach specifically around helping them overcome adversity and as I put it to to use that adversity to their advantage and it all relates back to this mental training aspect because it creates an awareness and it creates the tools to help them shift their mindsets into a space that they can actually operate from to help them get life back on track so to say how do you use mental training and your style of coaching to help people through adversity i try to use the adversity to find some (laughs) without sounding too optimistic so to say um, to find the learning what's the lesson here how could we use that in the future how can this may help you become even stronger Uh, and and using in that sense Uh, and from there instead of talking about the the problems or the challenges that has been too much instead where am, am I going? What is the um, ideal situation or how would I like it to be? And from where I am now, what could be a small first step? But I bring in this, this those n- new learnings I've, uh, I've got now. That's brilliant. So you're essentially that mindset shift of we accept that something that that adversity has happened, whatever form it comes in, it might be a relationship breakup, it might be uh, a tragedy, whatever form that is, we accept that it's there, we don't ignore it, we unpack it a little bit, but then we commit to taking action and utilising what you just said, all this training and these tools to move forward to to get life back Mm -hmm. on track. Mm -hmm. But I think, as you say, acceptance is an important word. You have to accept what has happened and what is the reality right now. And then from that when I feel ready, move forward, bringing the experience and the lesson. Absolutely. I see the connection there and we spoke about, we just had lunch together and we we're talking about acceptance and commitment therapy and I can see how that intertwines with your coaching and your instruction here. So, Gregor, from a personal perspective, uh, you've you've sort of been through some pretty big adversity in your life in recent times and I know that when we were here a couple of years ago and um, 
there was some things going on in your family how do you use your understanding and your uh, your coaching for yourself through adversity it doesn't help me 100% of course because life is tough sometimes I've lost both my parents now in 18 months to cancer and um, at the same time I really used my own the mental training on myself but I had to base it on acceptance and be um, grateful humble for the, the situation and also seeing it from new perspectives how can I how can this help me grow maybe I'm grown up for the first time now what would that mean for me I've been working a lot with my self-image and also trying to, to connect myself every morning using meditations, maybe not using goals so much now because I feel it's more, for me, it's more like being present in the day, not thinking negative thoughts, trying to not, don't think so much, but instead being focused in what I'm doing at the, at the, in, the, in this moment. Because what can, what can stop us from being present? Well, it's our thoughts and it's from hurts going back or it's from fears going forward. And it could have been easy for me to let my thoughts go into hurts and relive the last two years over and over again. And I, it could also be easy for me to go into the fears of the future. How should I, <laughs> how shall my life be now? Instead of that, I'm trying to use this on myself. By, so I've shifted more to mindfulness meditation and I try to, to exercise that each morning and also during the day. Not for hours, but for like 15 minutes in the morning, three minutes, three times a day. And it really helps me. Do you mind me asking about your, the importance of a grieving period after adversity? I don't mind you asking, um, but I'm not really sure what my answer is because I'm not really sure. Because I had this, this discussion with some close relatives uh, yesterday, actually, and we said, are we through this period now? <laughs> we said, we don't really know because life goes on. Life goes on and it's so much all the time. I don't have a good answer there. I, I think it's important to let yourself feel what you're feeling and try to give yourself time there. But I don't think it's the same for everyone. I think uh, it can be much in the beginning. It might come a little bit later. No expert on those, those things. You just answered it in, in two ways. One is your actions that you're doing on a daily basis. To, to me, that's your answer. And also your answer in there is no time limit on grieving periods. But what is important is that people are aware of their emotions in those grieving periods because it's grief. If it's a small adversity, our grieving can be emotional sensations of anger or disappointment. If it's major adversity like the loss of your parents that you've experienced two times in the last two years, then the grieving period can have emotions of heart-wrenching sadness and despair almost. And it's not to say we actually want people to experience those emotions like you just said it's vitally important but then as we shift forward so when you've had this discussion yesterday i guess in your reflection you can say well i guess there's always an element of grief but what we can't do is spend a lot of time in those emotional states that are not helpful to move us in the direction of happiness in the direction of our visions in the in the life that we want to live it's it's really interesting to hear people's experiences within the grieving period mm -hmm. 
And that goes back to what we were talking about before with acceptance. and Definitely. Everything comes back to acceptance. <laughs> I would say sooner or later, yeah. Yeah, do you, you, that's a big belief of yours? Is that a, a tool of yours? If you don't do that, you can never find a progress for, uh, or a, a process for progress. Mm-hmm. As I see it. You have to be true to yourself and then take a leap from there. That's really powerful. In the same way that you started this chat talking about your performance coaching model, and in the same way that we talk about mental training and the foundations of these aspects, acceptance is almost like the foundation to allow people to move forward from what you're saying, that everything comes back to acceptance in some form or another. Mm, I think so. Even even though that you're in coaching and also mental training, often start with the goal, start with the end in mind, so to say. But after that, you have to go back and be true to yourself. To find the gap between now and where you want to and be. And where you want to be. Absolutely. If if people could learn, I think you might have just answered it, but I wanted to ask you if people could learn just one concept or be exposed to one thing from one of your sessions, what do you believe is the most important thing for them to, to understand or where should people start? <laughs> <laughs> they should definitely start with themselves. As a leader, as a parent or as a coach, before going out trying to affect other people, start with yourself. Who am I in this role? Because I'm 50% of the alliance, at least. What am I bringing in here? What do I want to bring in? How will I affect my environment? How do I, how do I want to affect my environment? What difference do I want to be? One thing that has motivated me is that the books about flow written by the man called... Uh, Stephen Kotler? And no, no, Mikhaili Mihaili. Yeah, it's a guy It's quite famous, but he's written about 20 books about flow. And once he was asked by a reporter, the reporter said, I don't have time to read all your books. Could you give me success, the flow recipe in one sentence? And Csikszentmihalyi said, okay, do at least one challenging thing a day. And that I think was quite interesting mm-hmm. because that will keep you alive and at the edge. And there's so many things that you can put into that one challenge, isn't Definitely. there? Definitely. Yeah. What's challenging to me might, might not be to you, but you know what's challenging for you, but to, to act on those. And I like that. I like, I like that. I'll be looking into the... Uh, I'll have to get you to write down the name of that author and, and looking into all the flow. Actually, what what does flow mean to you? Because I know that you teach and we talked about the quadrants before from the high positive condition with those, the motivation and the high energy and that powerful state. And it's only from this area that we can then move into into flow. So what does flow actually mean to you? Or how do you coach flow? As you say, you cannot really coach flow. You can coach conditions for flow. And that is to make sure that your client is in the high positive energy state as, as long as possible and as often as possible. Because then flow will happen more and more times. And uh, I think my view on flow is the same as most others, that good things happened. You don't think, you just trust yourself, you enjoy the ride. You even surprise yourself by your actions. You try less, you achieve more. Back to that philosophy. Back to that's that point, yeah. All right, so I'm all about action and I ask all of my guests this question on every podcast. 
So I'd like to ask you, Gregor, what's your advice on what specific action the listeners can take today to to do in their own lives to become more impactful? I think uh, my advice, even though coach doesn't give advices so much, but <laughs> I think to, to have a morning routine that prepares you for the day, it's a really good one. Uh, it has helped me at least... Um, and what does that mean to me? That means like five, six uh, minutes on my uh, bicycle at home. That means uh, three yoga exercises uh, that takes four minutes. And that means uh, meditation for like five minutes. So all in all, like 15 minutes. And after that, I sit two minutes planning my day. And that gets the feeling of being a little bit ahead. It's such a powerful piece of advice that so many high performers so many influential and inspirational humans around the world have in place some sort of morning routine so it's almost like you own the day because you start it in your own terms and you do i love what you said you do what's right for you you shouldn't be trying to meditate for 30 minutes because that's what you heard someone else does you've got to sort of mold these morning routines for you to own the day it's powerful all right, before we dive into the fast five questions that I haven't actually told you about, one of my core values is giving and I give all my guests something for coming onto the podcast. I have one of my charity teas here, what we call a life tea, and I want to give this to you, one for your daughter. Now, I know you're, we've spoken about your daughter quite a bit. She's 17 years old and doing long jump and triple jump and in track and field. So I wanted to give this shirt for you to give to your daughter and it's uh, 100% of the profits go towards the mental health charity that I told you about before. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Like I said at the start, you're going on the podcast. So... Before we dive into the fast five, where can our listeners learn more about you? Do you have a website or social media activity? Uh, website, of course. The name of my company is Shill Coaching. That's my name, shillcoaching.se. It's in Swedish, though. <laughs> we have uh, our business coaching organization, ABL Association Business Leadership Coaching. There's a London site for that one. That's in English. If they Google ABLC London, they will find that one. And I'll link all this up in the show notes yeah, so people great. can just click yeah. on the link. Your website, by the way, is actually in English if you click the translate button. So it's... <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah. Some <laughs> other people are improving it. my... Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, let's do the fast five questions. Now, you don't need to give yourself time to think about this, just whatever rolls off the tongue. What's one habit you wish you could change? Eating too much cream. Oh, I love cream too. <laughs> what makes you feel absolutely pumped and exhilarated and energized? Being in a close game of tennis. Uh-huh. With your mentor? No. Not no, thinking about no. your right thumb? A better, a better player than him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever washed a dog? No. Oh, another no. We've had a few no's on the podcast now. Very interesting. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Be yourself. And the last one, I'm going to ask this in Swedish. Vore du mest taxam för just nu? Min familj, that is my family. Since that is my values about love and family. Gregor, you're a legend. You have a skill, a passion and a deep purpose that is impacting individuals and communities in an extremely powerful and deep level. Keep shining your impactful light to the world, my man. Thank you, Brett. It's been an honor to be here. Thank you so much. 
There you have it, another powerful impactor in the world sharing his abundance of knowledge for us to take action on and live the lives we truly want to live. If this is something you're serious about and you want to nail mental training and learn the habits, tools and strategies to live an optimal life, please reach out to me on brett at lifeintentional.com.au and let's make these inroads together. On a funny side note of some humor I get from learning the Swedish language, you might have noticed that Gregor pronounces the letter J like a letter Y. For example, he says just instead of just. This is a Swedish thing because they don't actually say the letter J. They say the letter Y. They don't say Jessica. They say Jessica. They don't name Jenny. It's Jenny. And my older brother's name is Jay. And I often joke about Marie pronouncing my brother's name as Yay. So I call him Yay a lot now. <laughs> Marie doesn't actually call him that for real, but it has slipped out a couple of times and even she gets a great laugh out of it. If you like this episode, please jump onto your podcast app and give us a five-star review. This helps immensely for me to be able to continue delivering value to you. It doesn't matter what app you're using, whether it's Apple Podcasts, which is formerly known as iTunes Podcast, whether it's Podcast Addict or Stitcher or whatever it is. You guys subscribing and downloading each episode is what keeps this podcast alive. And also, please share with your friends, your family, your community, and everyone you believe will benefit from this podcast. Don't forget to give me your feedback on what you loved and what you want to hear more of, so what value I can help bring into your reality. Reach out to us on social media, so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Life for Excellence. That's at L-I-F-E-F-O-R-X-L-N-S. And you can also find us at yourlifeofimpact.com. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.